Welcome back to the Brojo Online Podcast. Got a very special interview for you today with a good friend of mine, Angie McQuillan. We met a number of years ago. I can't remember how long ago it is now. She's now a confidence and career success coach and a very good one who's much in demand. And we met actually when she was one of my coaching clients. Yeah, she came to me to work on her own confidence. Her work with me was so successful. Her ability to turn our work into changes in herself was dramatic. Uh, she accelerated her progress at quite an incredible rate. And within a few years, I was helping mentor her to start her own coaching business. And now she has done that very successfully. And what she's going to share with us today is her journey. And in particular, she's going to teach us a lot about the concept of assertiveness, without which you really cannot have self-confidence or healthy relationships, both in the social world and in the workplace. So let's go over to her and see what she has to say. I think you're going to enjoy this one. I know I did. Let's, let's get into it. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity. We've known each other for a very long time now. Uh, I don't even know how long. Years. It's that long. Yeah. Uh, interesting relationship. Started as client and coach. Ended up as sort of mentor-mentee. I like to think of us as friends. You're at my wedding. I don't think there really is a definition for that kind of pathway, uh, which I like. I like having someone like you in my life that's uncategorizable. Um, and I absolutely admire the journey I've seen you on since we met. And I don't mean that in any sort of cheesy way, like you really do impress me. Uh, and knowing also what happened, a lot of what happened before we met. I'm even more impressed with the obstacles you've had to overcome uh, emotionally and so on to get here. And I want to share that with people as much as you're willing to share. So where do we even begin? Why don't we begin with the present and work backwards? Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do now? We'll start simple. And then we'll have a little look at who you are now and work backwards from that. <laughs> Sound good? Yeah. Well, you might be familiar with my title, Dan, because um, I'm a confidence coach. <laughs> right. yeah, I've heard that before. Well, confidence and career success is my official title, but let's face it, I'm self-employed, so I titled that myself. Um, but yeah, working with fundamentally leaders now, but they don't have to be in different groups. I work one-to-one -one with leaders. I work uh, in a group of leaders as well. And I also run a boot camp of, that's open to all. Leaders can join it, but anybody that isn't a leader can also join. Um, and I occasionally do these little sporadic monthly little uh, random groups as well. But I also do uh, workshops with corporates. So I kind of spread myself out as much as I can. But fundamentally, I'm working with the thing that I get most excited about is people that come to me and say, I want to be more assertive. I want to I want to be able to hold my boundary. I, I'm always I'm just like in a, a doormat. Somebody explained themselves once as an exploding doormat, which is something you and I have spoken about. We can touch on a little bit more soon. So um, 
that's my life at the moment. Obviously, if anybody listening to this doesn't really know, Dan trained me. <laughs> that's got me to where I am at the moment, trained by one of the best coaches to, to enable me to do what I was doing. And I'll be honest, the reason why I chose to enroll with you to train to be a coach, this is obviously after I was just a standard client, um, it's because at the time, I was when I was looking into it, I've been wanting to do it for years, probably about three years before I actually took the lunge to do it. And when the time came to actually just walk out of the corporate space and say, right, now is now is that time. I went to weekend <clears throat> college, I don't even know what you call it, like um, where they were recruiting for people to enroll in their coaching training sessions and or like their courses and all the things that would have given me official letters after my name. And I went to all these different colleges and universities and just general kind of courses, whatever the, the titles were. And I genuine, genuinely can say this, that I met a whole bunch of people there that had already trained to be allegedly a, a coach. And now we're training to be like a more senior version of the coach. So they get more letters and everything. And I'd be in this room with, I don't know, 30 people listen to a, a person up front talking about the course and the structure and what's there, meeting people that had gone through it and what they said about it. And I can hands down say there wasn't one person that came close to you as a coach. So I was like, if this is the caliber that, that pops out at the end of these courses and I could, and I did pay a bit more for working with you, but I was like, I can pay more, but I know if I'm half as good as Dan, I'm going to be better than most of the people in this room it's a no-brainer because if nothing else I needed to be able to deliver results with my clients and that was very important to me and I wanted to be good at what I did so I dropped having an attachment to the letters I went right let's do it because I, I could see the difference I could just the questions that they're asking and the way that they went about it and it was just it was a different world and it was actually attending those uh, seminars whatever that was actually the tipping point to say right I need to train with Dan to become a coach and that takes me to what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm, I've been doing that, what, nearly nearly four years now? <laughs> oh, my God, has it been four years? Nearly, not quite. But, well, between three and a half and four. Oh, my God. My life's flashing before my eyes so quick. Yeah. Well, that was a nice little uh, ego stroke. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to hear that it's had that kind of impact. But bear in mind, you know, everybody I, I train – uh, has a different outcome and you are definitely the most successful out of all the people I've coached and that's for a good reason partly you're very good at it and also you are ironically very assertive in terms of the way you go about taking the risks and doing the uncomfortable things needed to grow a business mm -hmm. and that's I think one of the reasons I don't know it's a thing I admire almost fetishize really is when somebody has integrity when they live up to the thing and there's nothing better than a teacher who can actually do the thing they teach um it's actually kind of rare you know to, to see someone when they're teaching something that they could actually go live it in real life as well and especially when that topic is assertiveness generally you're mm -hmm. either one you either can teach it but not live it or you can do it but you can't explain how it's done um, mm -hmm. to be both uh, no wonder there's a huge demand for what you do that both mm -hmm. person is very rare you might be the only one I know who specifically focuses on assertiveness and teaches and coaches it well let me just jump in slightly there I don't specifically focus on it mm -hmm. that's just the thing that I get the most excited about because that right. was fundamentally the reason that I got into coaching in the first instance I remember when I first enrolled with you 
422 years ago, whenever it was, I remember thinking if there's one thing I get out of working with this guy who had found on Google through a random article he'd written is I want to become assertive. I was so sick of being a doormat, didn't know how to like hold a boundary, didn't even know what a boundary was. So how the hell could I create some form of judgment around that's too far or that's not enough or that's okay or that's not okay because I didn't have a clue myself. And unbeknown to me, I was crossing other people's boundaries and allowing a lot of people to cross my boundaries. So that was a very painful existence to not be able to be assertive when there was a part of me that was desperate to be assertive. So that's the thing that I get most excited about, but I think our clients have a very similar um, psychographic things that they battle with, like people pleasing, assertiveness, comparing themselves to other people, you know, like self-deprecation, like in terms of um, like when they put themselves down a lot, whatever. So it's just, uh, there's a lot of similarity, but in the way that you get excited about people pleasers and that's really what I'm being honest I also love that too but that when somebody goes I just need to be on more assertive I'm like yes come on let's do this I can like can't wait to get into the coaching call with them you know <laughs> nothing like curing your own disease and others right yeah exactly and yeah. helping other people with it. I think that's what that's what makes excellent coaches and that's maybe what you won't see in the colleges and stuff where people are generic which mm. is the person hasn't gone there to help people with the thing that they conquered themselves you know and mm-hmm. no yeah I, I wasn't meaning to say that you only do one thing it's more like it's the tip of the arrowhead it led to all the other things that stem off mm-hmm. from that and assertiveness is really opens the door to all other sorts of valuable you know character traits and, and behaviors let me ask you actually what's your definition of assertiveness like maybe in in terms of someone going from not assertive to assertive what difference are we going to be seeing there sure I've been asked that before and I think the easiest uh, rationale I can give to it is if somebody is so you've obviously got assertiveness aggressive and you've got passive which are like three different ways of communication um, particularly in conflict whatever and when you're being aggressive you're basically disrespecting the other person and to a degree, not really respecting yourself, but you know, more so respecting yourself and your needs. Um, when you're being passive, you're respecting, I can't might have got that the way around. Yeah, no, the, when you're being passive, you're respecting them more and disrespecting yourself. But when you're being assertive, you're respecting yourself and you're respecting them. I'm not sure if my dyslexia kicked in there and I got the words wrong no, way around, but yeah. I did. Okay, cool. So fundamentally, I think when you're being assertive, it's around um, you're both equal, but you matter but I matter too. And, but it's, it's how to deliver that. And most people don't have the actual skill of what that looks like and how to deliver that because a lot of people immediately slip into, well, most people, as you know, kind of suppress it, suppress it, suppress it. Then there's this like tipping point when it's like, rah, and it all comes spilling out. Um, that's when they go into the aggressive thing or people. And that's normally because they've spent so much time being passive initially. So it's kind of like this buildup of the jug gets filled and filled, hits the brimming point and pours out. <clears throat> but the when you're assertive, it's around mutual respect. I'm respecting myself and I'm respecting you. And then if somebody doesn't respond to that well, you can manage it. It's not uh, something that you just say once and like game over, everything job done. Uh, when you're communicating with somebody, that assertiveness style of communication starts at the moment you start communicating and stops at the moment you stop communicating. But most people kind of think, I'm going to go in and say this one thing, and that's me being assertive and job done, and I can walk away and everything's going to be fine. Actually, based on what happens in their reaction, will then define what you do next in terms of the next thing you say. So it's on loop, it never really stops. And um, 
And I think that's a, a, a big part of understanding assertiveness is that to keep that balance of mutual respect, but being very clear in advance of what your boundaries are, because otherwise it's going to be near impossible to know if you're going too far or if you're not going far enough, if you haven't got clear, definitive understanding of what your boundaries are and, you know, basically what that looks like in communication. Couldn't agree more, which of course means it must be an ongoing learning process because we mm. don't know what our boundaries are until they're crossed, right? Mm -hmm. Or until we've kind of allowed them to be crossed. I like that idea, as you put it. I call it holding the line, you know, so holding the lines assertive, letting someone cross the line is what you would call passive, I guess, and crossing the line into their world would be aggression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but holding the line is the best for everybody. Very effective. Cool. And we're going to get I maybe try and squeeze some secrets out of you for how that's done, especially uh, beginning uh, somebody who knows that they're either passive or aggressive and wants to take some baby steps towards the middle line. But first, let's do the Freudian thing and have a look at your history with all of this. Uh, obviously, I mean, I can tell just by the way you talk now, there's a self-respect there. And while there's like sort of heat and strength to what you're saying, there isn't aggression. You know, mm. I can tell, like, I love when I'm talking to someone I know, like, if I push their button, I'm going to get it. But they're not going to do anything unless I push the button. It's that kind of latent uh, dog on a leash that they've got available to them. I really like that. It's it's very easy to respect that. It's a vibe. And I think you will have noticed, it's like learning martial arts. As soon as you know how to fight, nobody fights you anymore. Um, <laughs> and often when somebody becomes assertive, they start getting a whole lot less shit than they were getting before. People can mm. feel the vibe and go, that's, yeah, okay, that's not worth it. Or they just simply feel respect, which gives them a much more uh, generous um, starting point. I think that's a brilliant point. I mean, sorry to cut you off, but I think in a, what I, I try and stress loads and loads and loads in the coaching is that a lot of people, when they fear being assertive, is that they're, they're scared effectively of losing the respect of the other person, but they might like me less. They might be reactive to what I do or what am I going to do if they say this? Actually, it's the other way around. Mm. Like the more assertive we are, the more able we are to hold boundaries, the more you sorry, the more respect we receive from other people, because uh, as I've, I've heard you say before, they know where they are with us. They know that they can trust us. They, they trust what we mean and we mean what we say. And they therefore they don't need to do any tiptoeing. They don't need to do any uh, trying to fathom out what we're actually meaning when we say one thing, potentially mean another. There's no hinting going on. There's no read between the line bullshit. It's just this is who I am. And people feel safe in that environment. Um, but it actually generates more respect for other people. And one of the, my own personal experiences that has probably been the most jaw dropping about learning how to be assertive was when I first wasn't assertive, I was always scared of how are people are going to take me, how are people are going to like me, I, I, you know, being liked was so much of a big deal to me anyway, initially, that is the reason that drove me not to be assertive. So it was terrifying to start risking losing everybody by being this person and then I got a million times more respect so in a world where I used to live and I'm, without exaggerating I would say people were crossing a boundary to a degree every single day one way or another it rarely happens now it's very very rare that it even happens and I'm, I've got all these tools and all these abilities to say it's what I need to say in the right moment I'm like come on guys can somebody try and cross a bloody boundary because I'm ready for it and it's fun <laughs> to be assertive if I need to be but I don't even need those tools 99% of the time because people are treating me differently 
So it's it's incredible that the thing that I was scared of doing because I was scared of receiving being disliked by people has actually made people like me more. But that wasn't the motive to do it. It's just a byproduct of being more boundary based and more assertive. It's the beauty of working on these things, isn't it? And often we see yeah. that we're in a self-sabotaging system that by chasing the thing we wanted, we actually chased it away, you know, in yeah. some way. People-pleasing, that defines people-pleasing. Every strategy backfires. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I love I love to hear that. And I've heard that from every single person who's worked on this stuff in a real way. As they get to that mm-hmm. point, like, come on, fight me, somebody, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> it's going to get rusty i need to practice uh and you get enough practice so people are still people but <laughs> you know i used to work with criminal offenders and one of my key questions especially for the violent kind of guys who harm others the bullies how do you mm. choose how do you choose who you're going to do it to and it's not random selection at all some of them can't explain how they choose they go i just know it's that guy and they're looking you know they can explain that they're not looking for a challenge they're looking for mm. the win uh, and I eventually came to realize it's this body language thing that's probably almost subliminal. We couldn't tell you what we're seeing, but they can see a victim and it provokes them. So it is a hard thing for victims often to hear is like, you're bringing this on yourself. I mean, that guy's still a dick, but he's picking you out of a crowd because of the way you are. You change that, yeah. you become invisible to him, actually threatening. Mm-hmm. and you don't have to be bigger or stronger you don't have to be a black belt you just have to be someone who looks like they will defend themselves and are willing to get uncomfortable and take a risk to do so that guy doesn't want that he's not looking for that fight mm-hmm. you tone down from criminality just to bullies in the workplace or just overbearing personalities the same rule applies they actually smell i call it the blood in the water it drives them that that shark out of finding nemo he's their friend until he smells blood and then his pupils go white and he starts trying to eat everybody you know if you've got dominant people in the workplace they smell that blood they can't help themselves it provokes them so anyway um yeah it's it's really fun to see how quickly you got from being disrespected every single day as if Mm -hmm. you're somehow targeted to kind of like where's where's the next one come on give me some practice i'd go as far as saying that i don't even know if people were intentionally disrespecting me mm-hmm. i i have to own that like i was allowing people to cross the boundary that i would now consider that behavior to be in a, a disrespectful attempt but i think people sense now that they can't do that to me so that's probably why my interpretation now would be that's disrespectful dude like you don't get that's not okay you can't do that to me whereas you know 10 15 years ago, I wouldn't have seen it like that. So people would do it automatically because they wouldn't know any different. So it was, I'm not saying that the whole world was against me. I don't believe that. But the the people that I hung out with, the behaviors that we saw as okay, I'm not saying all of them, but some of the people I would I'd mingle with them aren't okay now. And that's why I don't have the same type of relationships, even in friendships. And some of the people that I used to spend a lot of time with, I don't spend hardly any time with now because I've changed so much that we now clash because what used to be okay and what I used to tolerate I don't tolerate anymore and people are like well you've changed a bit I was like yeah damn right I have and thank fuck for that because my life is a million times better I would not want to go back to being the old person so whilst you challenge me and shame me for being this person there's no chance of me going back to the old person and it, it's fascinating how um, people react to it as well yeah some people find it hard to swallow such a 
dramatic change can happen, especially when it's inconvenient for them, uh, mm. even though it's healthier for everyone involved. But some people, if they're not ready to grow now, you got to leave them behind. Uh, mm. Let's talk about that old Angie a little bit. Let's talk about the mm-hmm. Angie I first met, uh, the Angie who was desperately searching on the internet for some sort of relief from what had been, I guess, your whole life in one way or another, various relationships or another. When you look back on her now as if she's a different person, mm. uh, how would you describe it? Um, well, before I got into coaching, I'd had sporadically, not all like relentlessly, but on and off, 12 years of counselling. So I was already on this mission that something was wrong with me. I did not came out wrong. It's not that something was fundamentally flawed with me, but something wasn't right in my life. And I needed to fix it. And uh, psychology has always been a massive fascination for me. My mom's a therapist. It's kind of been brought up in my from day zero kind of thing. So there's a the psychology side of it was always something that I was always fascinated in. Studied at university, whatever. But then I think what was most frustrating for me at the time when I met you was that I had this plethora of understanding of psychology and understand my background and my experiences and what brought me to being the person that I was but I still found myself reacting horribly to the same situations and I couldn't understand why. So, and in my head, I didn't have any way of measuring what to do differently. I had all these fears around doing it differently. I didn't even know an alternative way to look at it because nobody had ever exposed that to me. So I just almost felt like I'd seal in doubt. And I'm not, if anybody's listening to this thinking I'm slagging off therapy or whatever, I'm not doing that at all. Like it's got its place for the right things. I've personally found that I seal in doubt in that. So when I met you, I'd already had a lot of self-worth work. I was already working on my self-worth, but I just had this massive gap in the middle that nobody seemed to be able to help me with. And that was what uh, took me. And where it's showing up in my life most was very, very um, dysfunctional relationships were definitely improving. But I was uh, just finding myself either around friendships or in relationships that weren't healthy as I knew that they could be. But I kept finding this repeated pattern and nobody seemed to be able to help me with it. So when I was online doing a bit of searching, like, okay, I still react like this or I feel that way. Number one that came up was your article on Google. And that was when I reached out to you, whatever. And um, the rest is history. But at the time when I first met you, like the thought of being assertive was terrifying the thought of um, I was I was basically imploding because I was wearing this massive game face, which I talk a lot in my own talk about a lot in my own content. The person that everybody else was connecting with wasn't me because I wasn't even showing up as who I am. So how can they were connecting with this exterior performance person, and that wasn't who I was? So I felt very lonely, incredibly lonely because actually, although I was surrounded by people a lot nobody was actually connecting with who I was they were connecting with the person that I was showing them so um and that that applied for relationships as well like actually when they got to know me I wasn't exactly the person I'd put myself out there to be and with friendships you know long-term friendships um it was very like I don't know it wasn't always healthy and those people I've separated from a lot now in terms of distancing myself from or the ones where I didn't feel it was a healthy relationship as in a friendship and anybody new as a friendship that came into my life, I really didn't have the confidence to believe that they'd actually want to get to know me because I trapped that part of me away so much. And I was so used and familiar with putting on my game face. 
it just became this trap of if I show the real me, I didn't think they're going to like the real me. Nobody actually knows the real me. I don't even know who the frick the real me is anymore because I'm such an actress. So you live in this world where you feel like you're kind of behind bars, but or even a brick wall and nobody actually really knows who you are and you've lost sight of who you are yourself. And it's a very lonely existence. And I think I'd hit pretty much breaking point when I was doing that searching and then came across you and I'd never even heard of coaching in my head the only coach I'd ever heard of was a football coach or a badminton coach like you know what the hell is a confidence coach you know or a life coach whatever so um that was like a massive turning point to kind of come across something that was so different and so unusual and once we started speaking it was clear that actually you had some answers and probably more so than anybody else I'd come across in my life to give me the help that I needed in the part that was missing that I, I couldn't work out for myself anymore. Yes, that is very similar to my own background. Maybe that's why we resonated so much. Uh, I think the word that stood out to me was actress. Uh, mm. I used to see myself as a basically a very good actor. At least mm. the people who were convinced were convinced, and I think other people just simply walked away when they saw it. Um, and very lonely existence, like you said, if someone has a relationship, they have it with the method acting, they have it with the character in the movie, they don't have it with the actual person playing the character. Mm. So uh, you know that, they don't seem to know that. But then you're trapped, like if you suddenly showed up, you know, who the fuck's this, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. I it's often incredible. wonder how different it would have been to switch would they even notice a huge difference it, it seemed in my head it would be a huge difference it would be jarring for them but I was never going to try it anyway so it was mm. always I, th I think it would have been noticeable because since I've been showing up more as that person I've had people say well you've changed a bit I was like yeah damn right I have and thank god like I was dying as the old person I, you know I've said it and I don't want to sound dramatic about it but I, I can't like I'm 41 now I'm 42 in like a few weeks whatever and the thought of having spent another more than a decade as the old Angie, the thought of spending all those years is just like, oh my God, like it literally, I don't know. I don't think I'd have done anything stupid, but my life would be very, very different now. You know, I would have felt like a part of me was dead on the inside to carry on living like the old person. Um, what's really interesting that when you just mentioned about the game face there, I just had a massive flashback and I've never said this story out loud before and I'm going to share it because it's just occurred to me. But I remember one time when I was a kid, it was probably about, well, my sister left home and I was, well, she must have been visiting. So I was definitely older than 11. But anyway, I was in an early teen. So let's say I'm going to make it up. I'm guessing around about 13, maybe 14, maybe 12, who knows, around about that age. And I went down to the basketball courts with my sister to play, just like playing about. And she said something. And I remember, fe I remember feeling really uncomfortable. And I just, I threw my head back in laughter because I was just trying to diffuse it or whatever. And my sister just stood there and just said, why are you acting? And I was like, what? She goes, you fake laugh all the time. It's really obvious, you know? And I was like, what? And then I just burst into tears because I'd yeah. totally been busted. And like that pain that I was actually feeling that I was disguising behind this fake like laughter, somebody had actually caught me red-handed and spotted it. My sister's quite intuitive. And I was like, oh my God. And I didn't know what to do. And I felt so embarrassed and so ashamed and so exposed. <clears throat> I went immediately from like, like hysteria of laughter to bawling my eyes out in the middle of a basketball court. It was Saturday afternoon, never with the kids there. But um, 
even even from that such a young age, like I'd practiced it for decades until I got into my early 30s when I stumbled into you. Mm. So um, imagine how embedded it had been when I carried on even that existence. And I must have been doing it before then to have been well rehearsed at Fate Laughing. So basically decades of practice before I got into coaching. So it's it became very, very painful because you just lose sight of who the hell you are. Yeah, it's funny when the flashbacks like that hit. Hey? Yeah, you know, like, uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, introspection about my past, like kind of journaling and seeing what comes up about being a kid and stuff. And my earliest memory of people pleasing is the day I figured out how to stop crying because I was the crybaby. I was only about seven years old and something made me want to cry. I can't remember the exact incident, but I remember just like stopping it physically and then just going, whoa, I can stop it. I don't have to be the crying kid anymore. You know, it was such, I was so happy about that because I'd been ostracized for being the crybaby, being a sensitive mm. kid. And one day I turned it off and it was like another <laughs> 15 years before I cried again, you know, I blocked it. And that mm. was the first beginning, of, you know, you often hear actors talk about how difficult it is to make themselves cry. I was like, try making yourself stop, you know, that's acting. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting how we, by the time we get to our 20s or something, we've had decades or oh, over a decade of training in real mm. life with real judges and we have to get it right. This isn't in a, in a studio or a laboratory somewhere where we're not sure if it's going to work. It has to work. It has to work every day. It has to work on our own parents. It has to work on our siblings. It has to work on the stranger in the street and anybody we don't know. So yeah. by the time we get to 20, it works or at least it seems to i've got a theory that truly confident people see right through it and they just stay away and so mm. we don't know I, I think of a few people i used to work with who just seemed to keep their distance i admired them i liked them they were assertive they were everything that i wasn't i never seem they never seemed to socialize with me they never seemed to come near my desk you know um they didn't certainly didn't gravitate towards me as the center of attention and entertainment that i'd set myself up as and now i look back i think maybe they knew Maybe they didn't even know that they knew, but they just sort of smelled something and went like, nah, not that guy, you know? Um, anyway, because I can do it now. I can see people pleasing now, so it's not as great an act as, as we like to think it was, but it does still works mm -hmm. on a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So you got this actress, uh, years and years of counseling, constantly trying to crack the code. Again, very similar to me. I was like, this is something about me, not like, toxic shame like i'm broken as a person or otherwise i wouldn't try and fix it it was more like there's like uh i call it these days a bug in the code you know the computer keeps crashing because somebody wrote one of the lines wrong is it mm. something like a little at sign that needs to be taken out or something i just keep crashing just keep hitting mm. this thing in it short circuits um so we met and we started diving into this tell me how uh how was it assertiveness kind of arose from this as the thing that you wanted to focus on? Because I just had so many examples of biting my tongue, not saying the thing I wanted to say, feeling sometimes livid at an encounter I'd had with somebody where they'd said something, disrespect to me, maybe humiliated me, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not, just because it was... Uh, just kind of like the realms I was working in at the time. Um, but I was so tired of not knowing how to change that. 
I was so tired of feeling scared of that. I was so sick of feeling exhausted from preempting what might happen and trying to plan words and it all going wrong. I used to get so much anxiety when it came to being assertive that I would literally stutter. And as you can see, I don't have a speech impediment. But when I tried, if it was intense enough, like I don't mean whatever, like something fairly straightforward, because I generally use humor because I can be quite quick witted if I need to be. And that was always my go to to diffuse it. I'd laugh with them. I'd divert it. I'd embarrass. I'd make jokes about myself. And, you know, if you joke about yourself, they can't do it kind of thing. Um, but if it genuinely got really intense, I'd be like, tss, 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 literally just. And then when I tried to say more words, just this some website, the same thing, but like it's incomprehensible splurge of slur came out. And if I ever get myself in a situation now, which is very, very rare, probably once a year, if that, like once every 18 months where it's pretty intense, we've got to have this difficult conversation. If it gets intense enough, I can still catch a little bit of that. Every now and again, I'm like, and a word slurs. I'm like, there it is again. But now I immediately call it out and I just don't go, oh, I just slurred there. I'm obviously a bit nervous at the moment. Whereas historically, it just used to be a long trail of slur. And then that would make it worse. And I remember one time, and it's only one example, but I remember one time at school, this bully girl who wasn't even particularly anybody really but she was giving me a lot of grief I was obviously an easy target um there was she said something to me and I tried to speak back and I went and everybody saw it and was like ah she can't even speak she can't even speak I remember my face going the color of a bloody tomato which made me even made it even harder to speak made it even harder to communicate and that's just one example but those memories stick with you and the fear of ever having that level of pain again public humiliation because I wasn't able to hold my own, it became so terrifying to ever be assertive. And I'd had experiences before and I probably had experiences after that as well, but there's some of them that really stick with your memory going, I, I never want to ever experience that again. That was just so painful. And then it becomes so habitual that you don't know any different and you just become the local doormat and you, the people pleaser that will do anything to avoid conflict and agree with everything to avoid conflict and laugh with everybody just to avoid conflict and pretend to be somebody that you're not to avoid conflict and to be liked and um and I just knew there was this other version of Angie inside me busting to get out but I didn't I couldn't find the door that's the only way I can describe it I felt like an trapped in animal and then I met you and you're like it's just this way it's over here here's the door <laughs> and it was as simple as that and I think I took to it quite quickly because I've, I've got quite a psychological mind so I, I picked up on things quite quickly I, I don't know if that meant that i grabbed it more quickly than maybe the average person I don't know but I remember just immediately once I started experiencing it I remember it just being a rocketed because then I got so addicted to it I wanted to try out everything and all of a sudden at the beginning I had loads of opportunity because I was living in a world where people were crossing my boundaries all the time so I had plenty of opportunity to practice mm -hmm. whereas if I was living the life that I'm living now trying to become more assertive I probably wouldn't have as much opportunity to practice because people don't really cross my boundaries now so um I was in a perfect position to practice regularly every day and learn very quickly, very rapidly, and with an enthusiasm of whatever this takes. Like it's nothing can be more painful than what I was living like. So if this is uncomfortable now, then so be it, because it's going to help me in the long run. So that was my attitude going into it, basically. And the, well, that attitude is something you can credit, I think, because you know my favorite type of person to work with is someone who's tried everything else and they had that like oh, i can't i can't fucking do this anymore 
Mm. And that's the courage needed to go, well, there's the thing you really don't want to do that's actually the thing you need to do. Um, mm -hmm. You've brought up something that's really, I've noticed a lot and want to talk to you about. It's almost tragically simple, which is there's a physiological response to confrontation. You talk about stuttering. I used to talk about what I called the hot orange in my throat, which is, you know, that uh, precursor to crying when you get all choked up in here. Mm -hmm. That would happen. It's very hot, like I've swallowed a hot chunk of orange. And uh, because oh, my thing was don't cry ever, I was like, I can't continue forward. I'm going to cry. Like, mm -hmm. and it would be a simple thing. Dad might be telling me off for having an extra snack and just be like, lump. And I'm like, oh, I can't even say anything now. <laughs> I can't push this button because I know what's next is crying. Sure. So I'd have this literal wall physically where I'd be like, okay, I have to stop there. I have to do this another way, crack a joke, whatever, go silent, disappear. And you had, obviously, the, the kind of thing, like, if I continue to talk at this point, I'm going to, duh, 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 that's going to happen. And you can smell it, you can anticipate, you know when it's coming. You can actually see it quite far off, and you can divert away from, from early on. So this is the thing I've noticed. A lot of people who struggle with assertiveness is they're getting the stop sign at this physiological response. Similar mm -hmm. to, you know, people will have the same ones you and I have. Others will have different ones. Uh, it doesn't really matter. They know if they're listening to this, they know what their one is. The thing mm -hmm. where they're like, the body starts saying no. And they just back off. And they don't realize to continue walking in that direction is actually the answer. Mm -hmm. But how do we do that? So how were you able to, I guess, find the courage to walk into the risk of that public humiliation like that that physiological proof that you're not doing well that everyone will get to see i mean how how do you find the balls to do that um i think one it was just i didn't feel i had a choice because i knew the alternative would be to carry on as i was and that wasn't an option i mean if you'd have said to me look the solution to this is very simple you just need to strip naked and run through a football stadium you know when it's live on every tv channel in the world i would have done it because i was <laughs> whatever it takes you know like I would, I would have done it so first of all it, it was a part of me that it wasn't it was non-negotiable and i'd reached the stage where if this is going to work i'm going to have to be uncomfortable but it's i was in so much pain not doing it nothing could have been more painful than where i was that was the way i saw it. it's like nothing can get more painful than this so it can only go one way am i either going to stay the same or i'm going to get better so i've got nothing to lose by trying so that was one way of thinking about it particularly the thought of doing this long term for the rest of my life that would be an unbearable thought um and i think it came down to starting small which is something that um i obviously mentioned with my clients as well is like start on something that is pushing you outside your comfort zone that's very uncomfortable but it doesn't have, i mean if you want it to be big cool like make it big but it doesn't have to be in order to make a change in your life and how you feel about yourself it doesn't have to be this huge, like, world groundbreaking move that you make that's going to potentially send you into a massive state of panic and make you recoil back straight into your comfort zone, which is to be passive again. Just do something that stretches you. So it might be just working out what could you say to somebody or what could you say and it could, or what type of situation could you be in. And sometimes it is just as simple as working out, okay, well, that one's too much. This one's that could try that. And then 
giving them the courage to go and at least try something and see how it feels and whatever they experience in that it might be that they had this great resistance or they found it easy or they found it addictive and then that becomes the the future call of what happens next so some people will often say well I'll help a boundary but I've not been able to stop worrying about it all week kind of thing and they've, they've so although they've done the right thing they've got this aftermath but then it goes into, okay, so you're feeling uncomfortable with it, but why would you expect not to? You've just done something for the first time that you've ever done in your life and you've, you've, you've become very familiar and comfortable with the other one. Why would you expect this to be easy? And then it's because they're fighting. They're almost shaming themselves for feeling that way. And a lot of people think, well, you know, I thought being assertive would be uncomfortable, but once I've done it, I'd feel great for it and expect to have this um, sense of enjoyment. And some people do have that but it can't be everybody's expectation because they're breaking a rule book that's been so embedded in their brain for the last 20 years or more. Why would they expect that to be dead easy? So when people then become accepting of how they feel, but then focus on the behavior as opposed to the, how they're actually feeling about the outcome or how the other person feels, it just becomes easier for people. And that was, that is basically where I went down that road as well. It became easier and easier, but I think for everybody when they're doing anything, there's always, uh, there's always the one moment when they think, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. So for you, I remember you saying there was something about you walked into a room and said, would you say this in front of other people? Or would you say this to that person if they were here and you, your face was like, holy shit. And you walked up going, I can't believe I just did that. I remember you telling me that story. For me, it was more, um, uh, I was in the corporate space at the time and I stood up to a very, very, very aggressive uh, senior director of, of another country. <clears throat> and she was shouting at me and embarrassing me on this phone call with lots of other heads off. And I was leading the call because it was in my area at the time. Um, and the way she spoke to me, I thought that what she was trying to do is intimidate me. So rather than what most people do, which is getting stuck in into the detail around, oh, I, I did it, I made the decision because of this, and we had to get budget sign off for that and content, content, content. I just called her out and said, it feels right now that you're trying to intimidate me. And it wasn't face-to-face, to be fair. It was a telephone call. But I remember being on the call at like that, oh, like waiting for this massive response. And you could have heard a tumbleweed go down that phone line. Um, and to be honest, like at the end, she denied it at first. And then she kind of came back and was speaking nicely again. And then within a few minutes, she was shouting again. said, you know that thing that I just said to you about two minutes ago? You're doing it again now. This is one of those examples right now. Red-handed, called about straight again. And at the end of the call, I just remember feeling that I jumped forward in terms of confidence about six years. It was like, holy shit, I can do this. And it changes everything. Got back to my desk and I had about six emails from all the other heads of countries in my inbox going, that was inspiring. About time somebody stood up to her. Oh my God, that was impressive. Oh my God, well done. I was like, oh my God, this just gets better. (laughs) Oh, respect. (laughs) And I was like, blimey, that was my... I practiced with these little things before, just saying no to people and practicing little bits and bobs. But that was like, okay, now is the time to really turn it on. This woman is totally disrespecting me, totally crossed my boundary. I'm now able to read that. I'm not going to take this woman's punches. And that to me, I tell that story quite a lot to my clients, but that was like, I'm not going back now. Like now I've done that. It was so addictive. And I saw the impact and how much other people were inspired by it, how much I felt better about myself, how much it stopped her from being like that to me. It was like, there's no way I can go back to that shrinking violet, whatever the phrase is, from years ago. So up until then, like I said, I toyed and played with and flirted with lots of these little 
tiny boundary based off and sharing a bit more and basic nose. But that was my turning point of like, okay, now I've got this year. This is it now. I'm, I'm all over it. It's only upwards from here. And that's it. That, that was, that was it. Basically that's my turning point. Animal gets out of the cage finally. Yeah. <clears throat> well, this is, uh, I don't know if I ever told you this before. Um, I forget what I've said or not. But one of the things that struck me about working with you is actually there's some some clients that I quite like who are actually confrontational to me in sessions, which mm. is I, I kind of prefer because like you say, you know where they are. So if they disagree with me or don't understand me or think my challenge is unfair or inaccurate, they call it out and say, no, it's not exactly this or I don't get what you mean, whatever. And you did a lot of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and it's a good thing. Absolutely a good thing. And I sort of remember thinking, or maybe I'm just thinking it now as I look back, I'm like, you always had that thing in you. Once you felt safe with someone, or once you chose to take off the mask, it's one of the great privileges we have as coaches is often on the very first call, someone just takes the mask off that they've never done with anyone else. It's the, mm -hmm. the frame of the call or something, the title coach, who knows what does it, the, the way we are, mm -hmm. our, our content saying we get it, whatever. They just take the mask off and you do it with me. And when you took the mask off with me, you're quite happy to confront me. No problem at all. You know, very assertive. You're very, you very much wanted to make sure that you didn't just go, oh, okay, Dan, and nod along with something. Um, you had to like flesh out anything you weren't totally cool with. And so it made me think like, this isn't some new thing that you're learning. It's a dormant thing that you're releasing. It's always been there. Um, and I think that that's what inspired 12 years of therapy and constant research is this thing was like yearning to become free. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure everyone has that, um, but it doesn't surprise me that once the, the animal was out of the cage, your progress was staggering. You know, you turned who you are into, I'd say into a different person, but I'd say you found mm -hmm. who you were and stopped being a different person. Mm -hmm. Uh, in such a short period of time that you now help others to do it and we haven't known each other that long you know um so as much as i'll take credit for whatever coaching i did you were like <laughs> it's like you know walking a dog who's just like straining at the leash it's like jesus christ just let it go <laughs> she'll do it you know? um so You're just in a, me a bitch <laughs> pretty much yeah that was just a long-winded professional way of calling you a bitch uh but that's, that's the thing is I think that people don't quite get that you can't explain it to them. It's hard to sell it. Once you get a taste of doing this yeah. properly, once you get mm -hmm. over the first like few attempts, maybe if you, especially it comes down to luck. Sometimes your first attempt gets a good result. Sometimes you get confronted mm -hmm. back and you weren't prepared for like round two. You thought, I'll just throw a punch. I'm not here to fight. And you kind of sit on it or you actually have negative consequences. It rarely happens, but it, it can happen. Um, it's harder to keep going after that. But once you get your first kind of win under your belt, and which doesn't necessarily mean changing the other person's behavior, but managing your own. Like you said, you started shouting again and you did it again. And you realized, I, got the super, I can do this a thousand times. I can keep doing it. She's, she's powerless all of a sudden. She doesn't have my stamina. Mm -hmm. you know, once you have that realization, like the world just opens up to you. So 
it is a very inspiring story and it's hard for people probably if they're watching this and they've never heard of you or never met you before or particularly don't know you prior to who you are now mm-hmm. this will just sound really accurate like theoretical or hypothetical this person you used to be but i met you when you're back then you know uh and unrecognizable almost compared to how you are now Mm -hmm. talk about let's talk about the work you've you've hinted at it uh, in terms of like the actions you need to take but let's try and give people a realistic idea of exactly how much action you had to take and what kind of action you had to take to to earn this change since we you know started the journey I think it comes in all different shapes and sizes. Um, journaling helps a lot at the beginning. I don't journal that much anymore, but I should do. I always have it on my, I should do that more kind of list. Um, but every time I journaled, I recognized on a frequent basis, oh my God, I've done it again. There's another example. There's another example. And I, I wasn't seeing those moments when I was in them. I was so blind and blinkered to them. That I, I I was living through examples where I had opportunities like golden nuggets of I could have been assertive to them and I, I didn't see it. So how can I have done anything about it? And I right, okay, I'll know for next time. And eventually your brain starts viewing the world in a different way. And then you start seeing moments when you think, no, that's not okay. I'll say something. And sometimes it isn't anything about conflict. A lot of people assume being assertive is meaning managing conflict. That absolutely is include, included. And it was fundamentally the part that would I would stutter and shy away from and blush and shake and fear it, et cetera. But it also included um, an opinion in a group of people that I would just agree with just because everybody else did. Or um, I don't know, like just even down to the little things like you'd be in a, a, a quiz, like a pub quiz. And I'm rubbish at pub quizzes. I'm absolutely bloody useless. Like ask me stuff I know about and I'm good, but general knowledge, I've got zero. Like I'm a liability to a team, not an asset. But I used to just kind of uh, find a way to kind of mingle and go, oh yeah, it could be that. Yeah, it could be that. And I was like, this is all bullshit. It's all lies. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I was just trying to mingle in with other people just to go as if I maybe knew something about the questions. I'd be there going, guys, I haven't got a clue. I seriously don't have a clue about any, I don't even know what the question is. What does... I've never even heard of the country. How am I going to know what the capital is? And it was just that type of communication that started coming out of me. So it wasn't even necessarily around dealing with conflict. It was like, I'm just going to be more honest. I'm just going to be more open. And I'm just going to show people here who I really am. But in a way that includes being assertive, because I had to risk people judging me. I had to risk people not liking me in order to communicate like that. Same with, uh, that was just a, a random example, but... I don't know where do you want to go tonight and I'd say and they'd say I'd, I'd like to watch this film and I used to go okay let's that's great I'd like to watch it too and they're like no I actually don't want to see that at all or and sometimes I didn't want to see it so much that I just wouldn't go so it wasn't that like I'm trying to dig my heels in me and I'm comfortable but I knew that I can't stand sci-fi films and stuff like that it just doesn't interest me whatsoever and I know that I'd almost resent being there but you know there's plenty of other people that that person invited me could have gone with it I wasn't you weren't dependent on me and it's just having those little moments of saying no or being more honest in a meeting for example I'd used to bite my tongue unless I was convinced that everybody would agree with my opinion and I was going to get the validation and approval from everybody else in the meeting 
then I was just like, well, I've got this view and I'm going to share it. And it's okay to be wrong. I started also dropping the attachment to I have to be right with every view I have. And if somebody else said, oh, we can't do that because of this, I'd be like, okay, great. I didn't know that. That makes sense now. Yeah, I see it differently. Thanks for sharing. And it was like I joined forces with them rather than fighting against them or had this need to be uh, to be right or to be wrong. It's like, I just, I'm just going to say it with no attachment to anything. I'm just going to speak it because it's in my brain to say it. So it was a variety of different experiences where I started testing the water with being more honest and being more assertive. And I use this phrase, and I know I've heard you say it too, but it's like strengthening a muscle. If you go down the gym and you're, you're not going, if you've got arms like pipe cleaners, you're not going to be lifting the heavy weights in there, are you? But if you get used to lifting weights, you can build up to the heavy weights. So because I've spent all this time, like I said earlier, dealing with bits and bobs and trying to be more vocal and assertive in meetings and speaking my mind about things I actually want to do, what I don't want to do, admitting to things that I had no clue about rather than trying to fit in and like just to not stand out in this stupid way or whatever. Um, by the time I'd exercised that muscle so much, by the time I really got hit on the spot with something, like when this lady was shouting at me, I was like, I'm ready for this now. But I wouldn't have been ready for that day one after our first you know, assertiveness coaching session because it would have been too much of a jump. I spent a few weeks going, right, I get this now. It's getting easier. Like nothing, nobody abandons me. People still like me. I'm feeling better about myself. Boom. So when she hit me with it, I was like, you've just picked on the wrong girl now. <laughs> and it was, and that, that was the, that was the turning point, but I had a lot of work to, like prior to that moment to, to be ready for that particular conflict. That's a very important message. Essentially one of training, long-term mm. commitment, lots of frequent little actions. Mm. Um, the idea that the big wins actually those opportunities don't come up that often people are generally i mean depending what country you're in what culture you're in people are generally agreeable uh mm. so it's rare that you get a big especially a big call out in front of a group like that like these days you and i would like relish like ah oh, finally i get to flex you know um but actually back in the day you'd be hunting for that experience <clears throat> it's in the little ones like you say the whole group wants to go see one movie and you don't the group will be fine with you not seeing it, but you're just not sure they will be. And I think that's the thing that the message that you're putting across here is essentially you're frequently risk-taking. So assertiveness isn't necessarily like you're standing up for the deep cause that you believe in at all costs. It's more just that they might not react positively to this, whatever it is. It could even just be you sharing your mood, your preference, whatever. Like you said, mm -hmm. I think this is why uh, you and I have a big thing about honesty is honesty will provoke the reaction. Whatever the reaction is going to be, honesty will find it. Uh, and that's what we worry about. Is this going to be one of those ones that makes the orange come up in my throat? You know, I don't know. I don't know when it's going to hit. Sometimes it's obvious, like with the bully boss who likes to yell at people. That one's definitely a predictable one. But I don't know what's going to set off one of my friends. I mm -hmm. triggered my mum just the other day. I didn't see that coming. We're just having a conversation all of a sudden. I notice her voice getting all tight and stuff. I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> she's in it. We're in a conflict. I didn't even realize. I thought we were chatting, you know. And that's, I think, the fear people have around assertiveness is that uncertainty. When mm. is it going to be the big one? We don't know what's going to mm. kick it off. But, of course, keep it little. The risk is minimal. And when it does happen, it's easily solved. Now, you mentioned another concept, not only just taking these frequent risks, but letting go of the need to win. Now, I know a lot of people 
conflate assertiveness with dominance. So mm. assertive means winning, not just fighting. Uh, what are your thoughts on that idea? Totally agree. I've had people that I've helped with being assertive and they've come back in the next session and said, I did everything that we talked about, the value-based communication, blah, 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 and it didn't work. I'm like, what do you mean it didn't work? And I was like, well, it didn't work. They didn't change the behavior. It's like, define work. And they were like, well, the expectation was is that this other person was going to change. It's like, so you want to, that, that was your measurement of success, was it, that the other person changed? How about your measurement of success? Is that you've just done something that you haven't done for 20 years or more. That's the measurement of success. You've just literally smashed it out of the park. And then you go into like, I'm not going to go into a coaching call, obviously, but like the obvious stuff around if somebody changes their behavior because of what you said, it's a byproduct. It's a nice to have. It's the cherry on the icing. But most importantly, what you've done in that moment is send the message to your brain that you're worth it. I'm worth fighting for. My, my opinion does matter. My worth does matter. That's more important than them changing their opinion. And regardless of everybody else changing in these moments, you're still building your confidence because you're sticking up for yourself in a way that you've never done before. So when it works, if you're attached to them changing, you're attached to something that you can't control. So that's a, we can't use that as a measurement system. That's just, that would have been nice. But at the same time, what works is that if you do this repeatedly for the next however many, however long it takes, it won't be difficult for you. And it won't even be important what the other person does because your self-worth will be built in that time. This might be one of the most important points that we touch on today. Yeah. Because one of the number one complaints I'll sort of hear is if something along the lines of what's the point if it doesn't work? Mm. And work is defined as manipulation of another person's behavior. You you stay the same, they change, or you get the win or whatever. Um, what was it like for you at the beginning? Do you I can't even remember. Were you particularly attached to winning or was that not a concern for you? you first um, I think it was a little bit of both, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. I, um, and, and to a degree, like I'm not the finished article now, like I'm still developing. I always try and make that point to anybody that I'm talking to because I do not want to set this impression that I'm the finished article or whatever. For me, I think more so it was about just I was gobsmacked that these words were coming out of my mouth, that I was able to actually do it without stuttering, because that was just such a fearful thing for me to like, I can't be in this position where I just look silly, because I'm trying to be, because I'd kind of set such a bit of an image, like I was very extrovert naturally, and quite a loud personality, that all of a sudden when you see this quite, you know, girl on stage playing rock guitar, captain of the football team, quite extrovert, suddenly going unable to speak (laughs) was incredibly humiliating. So for me, just to be able to say something was was the main thing, but then it was obviously coupled with, it was nice to kind of win, should we say, but I don't think it was a priority at the time. I just wanted to be able to speak without, to be able to get my words out, basically. Yeah, well, in a sense, I think you're lucky because I find the people who are attached to winning struggle with this even more so. Sometimes they don't struggle so much with the getting assertive. They struggle with the loss, with the not mm. getting their way, which is maybe a different issue. It's not really a fear of assertiveness, but maybe a fear of lack of control, uh, that locus of control being in the outside rather than the inside. Whereas with you, it's on the inside. I just want to be able to control myself kind of thing, um, which is a healthier starting point, in my opinion. 
because mm. it's the only realistic starting point or ending point. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's your advice, I guess, for the people who get it? They're like, I know this is about me and building my confidence. And I know this is about self-respect and becoming the person to redeem the person I was, you know, to make up for all those lost years. Mm. But I still feel gutted about the loss. You know, when I lose the thing where I look bad in the situation, where nobody respects me afterwards, where I tried my best and still failed, you know, what do you say to the person to help them through those inevitable moments that they're going to have to endure as they work on this? Um, I think, I mean, I can only talk from my experience to answer that, but when just the ability to do it at all and not be the stuttering standing that I was or whatever, Coupled with, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I still occasionally find myself, all right, I want to win this debate. You know, it's not like I'm completely detached from the outcome on every count, but it's, I'm definitely not as attached to it as certainly maybe as I used to be, or as I think a lot of other people are that I see people get very triggered by it. But just generally, like when you know that you can hold yourself in any situation, whereas like you said, I could be assertive if I'm in a safe environment. Even then, I didn't always trust if something went wrong in that environment, how I'd react. Could I still be triggered? And I don't have that fear anymore. Mm. But coupling that with um, any situation that I could be in now, I feel bulletproof in a way. And that's incredibly confidence boosting because I, I used to avoid so many situations or so many conversations or so many scenarios because I didn't know that I, I didn't have the confidence that I could handle it if something went wrong or I didn't want to put myself in a situation or I used to like begrudge something because I would do something on somebody else's terms because I didn't know how to handle it. So it's like, throw anything at me now, I'm bulletproof. There's going to be some things that are more challenging than others. And we've all got maybe some uh, <clears throat> weaker spots that we can be uh, more sensitive to than others, like particular people or scenarios, whether it's family, best friends, old friends, partners, whatever, they're going to be more sensitive to you than average Tom Dick and Harry but at least you become aware of those and you just have to give those a bit more deliberate thinking and attention should we say but when you know that whatever happens you're not going to be stuck for words even if I'm stuck for words and I'll tell people I'm stuck for words so I'm not actually there's still something coming out of my mouth so it's that whole thing around whatever happens now I'm not scared of it in terms of communication and that has given me so much ability and more freedom to be who I am in, in all these situations that I used to shy away from or things or confrontations that are sometimes in jest that I used to dread. Like actually, I'll just share one now to put it into context. About a year ago, it's my friend's birthday. I went down the park and it was a Sunday afternoon they were meeting and uh, they were drinking all day. And I was like, well, I've got work. I've got work tomorrow and I've got my dog and I don't want to leave him for too long. I didn't really want to do a boozy Sunday. So I said, well, I'll, I'll rock up at four and I'll leave at seven. So I had this like three hour little time span I'd given myself. So as promised, I rocked up at four, started having a few drinks with them, got to seven. I said, right, guys, I'm going home. Lovely to see you all. And then somebody said, what do you mean you're going? I was like, well, yeah, I'm going home now. because That's what I'm going to do. And he was like, well, uh, what did he say to me? He said, um, Angie, I've been drinking all last night, all this morning, all day. And you're going home. And then at first I went into an old mode initially saying, yeah, I've got, I've got work at nine. And he said, yeah, but I've got work at six. What's your point? And I was like, hold on. I'm not here to justify my frigging decision. I don't need to tell anybody why I'm doing it. I've made a decision to go home. So I'm going to do it. So when he, when he said, well, I've got work at six, what's your excuse? I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize we were competing. 
And he was like, well, we're not competing, but um, I'm just, I was, I was like, well, what, what are you asking me then? Because we'll just get your shit together. I was like, oh, so now you're shaming me as well. You're shaming me and we're competing. And uh, this other guy had overheard this debate between us. And uh, he fell back laughing and said, mate, I've just been listening to you guys. She's killing it. Just stop. You're making yourself sound stupid. Because <laughs> this guy was like, you could almost see a state of bamboozlement on his face mm-hmm. when I kept calling out what I believed that he was doing rather than getting into what most people do, which is I slipped into it for one sentence. I've got work in the morning. I've got to look after my dog. I don't have a hangover. Then it's like, that's irrelevant. I don't need to justify shit of what time I go home and what my decisions are around my life. But in the olden days, those types of conversations used to be difficult because I felt the need to explain myself and justify myself. But now I can just go, no, I've made a decision when I'm doing it. And if you challenge me on it, I'm going to call you out for what I believe you're doing. And it's it was so easy. And I remember just thinking, God, like, what would I have done 15 years ago? And I probably said, oh, yeah, you're probably right. It's embarrassing. Okay, I'll stay for a few more hours. But now it's just like... This is just such an easy conversation for me. So even the jokey day-to-day stuff is effortless. And even those would have been quite difficult to handle before I you know, got into coaching. So um, it changes everything. It's a game changer when you know how to manage any given scenario that is thrown at you, whether it's aggressive, whether it's just a difficult and awkward conversation, whether it's done in jest and people are peer pressuring, peer pressuring you. It could just be speaking your mind in a shameless way it could be just telling somebody something that you wouldn't normally share in this way that is actually just more honest and when you live like that there's literally nothing stopping you doing anything because you've got no shame and you're not trying to pretend to be somebody that you're not and you're not bullied into doing things you didn't want to do i think your time perspective is what's really brilliant here which is the individual interaction is only as good as like a training session. It's, it's just an act of self-respect that contributes to the greater whole. It's like, if you fail this one, it's not a big deal. If you win this one, it's not a big deal. But over time, the, the cumulated weight of respect or disrespect matters. Mm-hmm. And I think the person who's like, oh, you know, I lost that one or I didn't get this exact interaction right. I'm missing the bigger picture of your becoming person who can handle these interactions. That's the mm. real win here to be that person. Like I often think there are people who like, they lose weeks of sleep over how awful some conflict went and they didn't handle it. But what happens years later, they don't even remember it. It's mm. like it never happened. It didn't matter. They don't matter. I always think of like, uh, we had this big fight and we broke up and it's like, you think that fight did it? They one fight, you really? That's right, you, why you broke up? Your whole relationship was fucked. It just ended then, that's all. The idea that that fight mattered, no, no. Probably your assertiveness was lacking from the very beginning. That's no mm. one fight matters. No one conversation is what kills a relationship. Mm. No one conversation is what gets you fired. It's mm. like there's a buildup. And, and once you can see, like, if I become the person who's assertive, those kinds of negative results are less likely to happen because of the weight behind it. Like I'm less likely to have conflict in healthy friendships that have been honest and assertive from the beginning. It's as simple mm-hmm. as that. If I've got a lot of conflict in my friendships, they're rotten at the core, right? Mm-hmm. And that's probably, this is why I know you, you're focused on so much more than assertiveness, but I think it's really was the tip of the arrow. I talk about people having an X factor. Mine was dishonesty. It was like, that's the thing that's, 
the uh, you know the thin part in one of those uh, sand timer things you know, everything has to go through that point before it can become anything else my dishonesty was blocking any other it was blocking courage it was blocking responsibility it was blocking respect it had to start yeah. there you actually were more honest than i was when we first met like honesty wasn't your x factor like with your partner at the time with me you were honest um maybe not i don't know great self-control but still like more honest whereas i would have lied in all those situations i would have even lied to a coach back in the day mm. um but assertive sure that was the thing you know that was the key and, and it's so so this is why people who are struggling with assertiveness should come and talk to you because you're not coming from that I call it top of the mountain coaching where you've never had a problem with this. You actually climbed mm. from the very bottom. That's why you understand why they're at where they're at. You'll understand their objections. You'll understand why something didn't work the way it was supposed to. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, like learning martial arts from somebody who's lost a fight in every way that they can before they started winning. You know, mm -hmm. it's the person who knows, <laughs> knows how to lose. Uh, that's actually a great teacher. Uh, anyway, it's exciting when, um, and I'm sure you've had loads of these as well, but when you're working with other people and they start doing the things and you can see them on the way down the path that you've already, you've already been down. Right. And they get those. So even today, I've worked with a guy, I've only been working in about three sessions, whatever, but <clears throat> he's had a very difficult relationship with his boss. And I don't know, about three hours ago, he messaged me going, I've just had the meeting, what the one-to-one -one. It's like this big buildup for this big one-to-one -one who's having with his boss. And just said, I've really held my own. I held my boundaries. I shared everything that we talked about. I, I, you know, I was listening to what he had to say and we resolved pretty much everything. He apologized and said I was right about some things. I acknowledged the stuff that he was saying is that I've never, ever had a conversation with him like it. I feel amazing. And I was like, great. So, you know, tell me a bit more about it. And he just went into some detail around it. doesn't really matter what he said. But the point is, is that he just said he feels, what did he say? He used the word glowing. I feel like I'm glowing right now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, amazing. Like that is the addiction behind respecting yourself and doing something. And it, and he said, it didn't even feel like I was being assertive, but I know that I was, it just felt like I was having a really solid adult chat with somebody. And I was like, that's the, all you can ask for. And that's a brilliant result. But most importantly, you took action on it and you respected yourself in that process. And it's the cherry on the icing that it, the conversation went really well, but he's like, he's, you know celebrating and everything he's skipping around the house like partying kind of thing because he's just over the moon that you know the guy is knocking on 50 and he spent nearly 50 years being massive people pleaser and and he's a lovely guy i love love working with him and he's got this real natural drive to understand stuff he's like a sponge everything we talk about is like you can tell he's so zoned into the call so keen but now he's making like after three sessions having com confrontations with his boss and, uh, he, you know, that's how much it can change you. When he spent working for that company is nearly 20 years and he's never actually had this conversation with his boss. And it's like, that's how game changing it can be when people are willing to, to do the work, basically. Yeah, I don't think that can be understated. Like, I, I, the glow, you know, that story you mentioned before about me confronting workplace people mm. gossiping. That was the feeling I had walking out of the room before the panic set in anyway was mm. the glow like oh i finally did the thing the thing i always tell myself i should have done every night i lie awake with insomnia from anxiety and should have said yeah. this i wish i could say that to actually go ahead and say those things mm. it's the freedom everyone's looking for is that i think 
that's the key to assertiveness is it's the uh, stepping stone to self-respect. It's always mm-hmm. you're not looking to beat anybody else. In fact, that's a kind of a loss. You destroy somebody else. That's not assertiveness, as you said before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's when you go home and you're like, I protected this. I got. I have my own back. It's like having another person as your bodyguard. Suddenly you feel mm-hmm. safer. It's like I can try some shit now. I can get into some situations. I can mm-hmm. finally let someone in intimacy and all these things are available to you now because you're safe to get out of them. You're safe to protect yourself during them. I think of how many people are afraid of getting into a relationship because they're scared of not being able to end one. So they've got this commitment phobia of like, I can't commit to someone because if they suck, I won't be able to end it. I might end up married to them. You know, that's <laughs> very real and quite a realistic no, fear. Cool, but... <laughs> no, no, there's, a, there's a lot of people who are scared of starting a relationship. They don't know this. They're scared of starting a relationship because they don't know how to end one. They don't want to uh-huh. lock into a contract that they're scared to like take to court to end or whatever. Um, and you've got a lot of people just missing opportunities blindly because they go, you're not good. You know, the thing inside you says, look, if that gets difficult, you're not going to be able to handle it. So mm. don't, don't start. Don't go near it. Don't get into sure. it. Sabotage mm-hmm. it now. You know, <laughs> those people mm-hmm. won't apply for a promotion and things. And oh no, I've got a pretty good boss now. It's like, no, no, dude, you're just, you're scared of the conflict. That's it. Once you're not scared of the conflict, fucking anything's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent stuff. And and let's uh, let's wrap up with a little practical tip. You know, you've already mentioned a few. You know, starting small and so forth. But let's say someone's listening to this and they're in a very similar position to where you were. Like they've been on their back taking it for many years and they're starting to realize maybe i don't have to but they just they need some sort of starting position like a very practical like how to step i guess to just put what we've been talking about into action and see what happens what would you recommend with so many different things um well i can throw a few at us (laughs) um i'd probably say as a starting point to actually identify where you're not being assertive because how, how are you knowing what you're going to fix if you don't know don't even know what those are and like I said even when I was in coaching with you going back years ago like when I was frequently coaching with you like weekly um there was still I was still dropping the ball on occasions I didn't see and I just I was so blinkered and so used to thinking in a particular way I just couldn't recognize them until maybe a day or two later I was like oh it was one of those again I had the I had the opportunity and I missed it so I, first of all, journal if necessary, write them down. Like what are the things where you feel that you're not being assertive and don't just classify it as being assertive as managing conflict. Yes, that's included, but think of the times when you're not being honest around who you are, what you want. Um, are you laughing at things that you don't find funny? Are you agreeing to things you don't want to do? Or are you speaking up in meetings to voice a potentially controversial opinion? Like those smaller things that aren't actually conflict-based as such when are you not doing those? So identify them first and foremost. And I think the second thing I would say that I think is really important, and I I try and drill this as much as I can when I do my own coaching, is a lot of people think that when I understand what your definition of honesty is, a lot of people go into a place of what they think is honest and they're just judging the other person. So you're being a dickhead. That's not being honest. Like I'm just being honest. Often when people put the caveat in as of just being honest. It's normally that's their justification to be an absolute arsehole to somebody. So 
when somebody so being being assertive let's use um an example i actually read in a book ages ago and i put it in one of my ebooks actually so fundamentally if you're i don't know with your partner it's quite i'm going to be a bit personal but say you are and then somebody makes a move and then they get rejected a lot of people go oh, what's the point you don't obviously fancy me anymore like you're just not interested and they go on the attack but what's really been happening is that the rejection button's been pressed and actually the deeper honesty is I'm scared where this relationship is going. I miss being connected with you. I'm feeling rejected right now. And that's your honesty. And that is being assertive because you're sharing where you are in that moment. It's not, assertiveness isn't about just attacking the other person, which leads into like, I have to win or I have to be the upper dog and I'm not being the underdog. Like being assertive doesn't mean being aggressive or judging the other person. Actually being assertive means I'm just going to tell you what I'm feeling right now. I'm going to, I'm going to share with you how this has landed with me. And if you, that's why the way that a coach being assertive is so much more powerful than what people think being assertive is, is because people think, well, you tell me, you give me permission to be assertive. I'm going to run around being a jerk. Actually, no, if you're there with your partner and you're losing connection, tell your partner that I'm worried that we're losing connection and I'm worried about what this means for our future. And I don't know how I'm feeling rejected and I'm scared what this might mean for whatever, as opposed to just attacking them. Because if imagine yourself on the receiving end of that, you're going to be much more receptive to hearing it and finding your way through it. But in that moment, what you've been is still very assertive and vulnerable and, and open and honest. So um, when people understand what honesty really, really is, it's so easy to be assertive because it doesn't mean attacking the other person. You're so much less likely to have the conflict because you're not attacking them. You're sharing what's happening inside you. And it's as simple as that. So that, although that was quite a, a long answer to your question, I think that is so important to understand how to be assertive when this is what I'm feeling and thinking rather than this is what you are as if this is factually correct. No, I think that's excellent advice. And like you said, the, the smaller levels of assertiveness aren't even really about conflict at all, just the risk of it or the risk of feeling uncomfortable. And you just mm -hmm. defined what it means to take that risk a little bit uh, mm -hmm. and take ownership. You know, a lot of people, yeah, like you say, they think attacking someone is what they'd call honesty when actually it's mm -hmm. a defensive tactic hiding what they're really feeling. So it can't be honesty if they're hiding something behind it. Yes. Like, You're an asshole. What are you hiding? You know? <laughs> So, okay, I'm, I'm barely triggered by my childhood wounds right now. Okay, there you go. There you go. You're right now. Um, which is, you know, it's as difficult as it is easy in the sense that you and I, we're still working on this stuff to this day because mm -hmm. that is the work. You keep working on it. It's almost like the simplicity itself is complex. The more you try to be simply honest, uh, the more you see the layers to that and, and you just got to get started somewhere. Mm. Um, well, to, to wrap that point up, let's say somebody goes, okay, that's what I'm going to do. First, I'm going to identify the areas where I'm clearly not being assertive, or at least I know I'm not being fully honest. Then they're going to go and play in those areas, try it a little bit. When they come back to journal, like you mentioned earlier, how do they answer the question? Like, did I do it right? How would they know that they're on track? do you think um if their sentences are starting with they did i mean it's okay to set, share the context you're writing in your journal around something that happened but when it comes to when you were being assertive if it starts with 
something along the lines of um, this is how it lands with me or this is what I'm seeing or this is how I feel or this is how I interpret, you're on the right lines. Whereas if it starts with you are or they did or you've done this or this is what you think or whatever, you're still in the you're still in the attack mode. And that is the least likely way of getting somebody to pay attention because their guard is going to go up. So it's simply that the structure of where you're coming from. Is this about what really going on for you or is it about them? Because when you attack the other person, let's just, you know, cut to the chase. You're actually in a victim mode because you're saying you're to blame for how I'm feeling. Whereas I'm therefore I'm not accountable for how I'm feeling because you've caused this and I don't need to take any responsibility. Whereas actually when you take it from, this is how I see it, this is how I'm feeling. Even if you could be triggered by something else, you're still owning it. It's still on you. And it's still about what's going on inside of you. It's still accountable and responsible. So um, I think that that's a key thing. Just basically, are you talking about yourself or are you talking about them? And that to me will be the definitive difference between if you're in judgment mode or if you're in assertive mode. Good. And I'm sure there's many more measures to add to things over time, but that's a great starting point is, you know, did I take responsibility when I was talking? Mm-hmm. If you're doing that, then you're on the right path. Excellent. Well, as you and I both know, um, doing on this work on your own is very important, but if you don't want it to take decades and you want an accelerated approach, then you hire people like us to help, just like we hired people like us to help. Yeah. Um, so let's say someone's uh, uh, watching this or listening to this and they're really keen to talk to you a bit more about that kind of help. How would you prefer they get in touch with you? And how uh, I mean, I don't have a preferred way. I'm very easy to find. I, everything is just under my name. So Angie McQuillan on, in Google, you'll find my website, which is angiemcquillan.com. Surname I'll, I'll link everything below as well so they don't have sure. to hunt for it. Surname is I-N as well, rather than A-N or E-N. You find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Facebook, all under my name. So very easy to search for. Cool. So they can just contact you personally, get things started yeah. that way. Yep. Excellent. I highly recommend it. Actually, as part of our coach training, I got you to coach me for a couple of sessions just to make you mm-hmm. uncomfortable. And uh, she knows what she's doing. And that was a long time ago. I can only imagine that you've acquired some experience since then. Um, well, I was trained by the best, Dan. What can I say? I'll take that. My ego is <laughs> big enough as it is to take that. Um, yeah, no, that was, a, was an excellent chat. And all I can say is it's really what it appears to be. You've done the work. This is a zero to hero kind of story. You really, like when I met you, uh, you really were eating shit from people you know you really were uh, like you had a very very low sense of self-worth when i met you you know this kind of uh, deep doubt that it wasn't even just the fear of standing up for yourself the idea that it wasn't valuable you know like uh, it'd be some sort of lie like you weren't worth standing up for mm-hmm. um for you know reasons and when you yeah when you you were just like an animal let out of a cage once you got into it i'm like whoa <laughs> you know uh it's like holy shit it's gonna burn the world down she's got some some work to do and and it's actually it's kind of this meta thing your assertiveness is what also prompted you to leave that corporate world and start helping people with this stuff and much more of course leadership assertiveness is just a piece of that pie um mm-hmm. 
but assertiveness might be self-leadership might be another way to describe assertiveness and you can't hope to lead others unless you can manage your own shit or at least Mm. you can't lead them well or authentically and you are really just the real deal of someone who went and had thousands i mean in the time that i knew you every week we'd have to talk about three or four incidents where you went out and tried this stuff and it went however it went sometimes it went well sometimes you're like what the fuck happened there sometimes you didn't do the thing you thought you uh, meant to do and you had to try and figure out why fell back into old ways and you went just this relentless persistence example Mm. after example person after person uh and like i won't go into your personal details but you ended up doing you know going to the people that are hardest to do this with Mm. which is you know i call it the white whale like we build up everyone's got the one person i can never confront them you know And, and you actually built up all the way to that so I absolutely uh, validate working with you. Like you're not going to get someone who is more uh, authentic in the topic uh, in terms of coaching. You've lived it and you have the rare ability of someone who can do it and teach it. You know, not everyone who does it can explain how it's done, break it down into bits, help someone see what they're doing and what they're not doing right and so on. Uh, And you have that. So it's kind of like a superpower. Thank you. So I I can't imagine anyone in the world who wouldn't benefit from being assertive. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's like a quality of life necessity to be able to hold that line and respect yourself. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. There's not actually much else that can happen until that's done. Um, So if somebody wants to make sure that that journey doesn't take them as long as it takes somebody doing it on their own, uh, then they should get in touch with you. Absolutely. Mm, Thanks. Thank you so much for your time. You too. It's always good to chat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We see eye to eye on so much and uh, yeah, it's, it's been great to see you progress and the accelerating curve that you've been on. It's uh, very impressive and well. Well, Let's just finish with, I think that, uh, neither you or I are any different with the people in terms of ability to do it. So whether they come to me or they come to you, whatever, like we're both coaches, but um, uh, yes, we were both keen because I think we both had a lot of pain at the point where you got into coaching when I got, when I found you as a coach, but it is doable for anybody. Absolutely. Anybody on this planet can make the changes that they want to take if they're willing to get bloody uncomfortable it's as simple as that. And it depends on if they're willing to do that. And if they are, and it matters to them enough, it's there for the taking. It's absolutely, there's no, there's no rules like, Oh, it won't work for me. That is absolute bullshit. It will work for everybody, but it just comes with the willingness to be brave and the willingness to get uncomfortable at at times that you're currently probably not being uncomfortable because you're doing the easy option by hiding away from it. But I just want to put that in because so many people listen to this type of thing oh yeah it's easy for them but they're just a couple of coaches and I was like no trust me mate I came from a place where I I stutter couldn't even say a sentence you know that's how bad it was to where I am now so anybody can do this so um whether they work with either of us like I just don't want anybody to listen to this and think and discount themselves from that choice of being able to change themselves couldn't agree more if you were to pull apart our DNA you will not be either you won't identify some supernatural strand that somebody else doesn't have. There is nothing 
we have that separates us except for experience having started so anybody mm. else starts they end up in the same place after the same amount of time roughly with the same amount of work roughly you know mm. that's that's kind of how it works and so yeah i couldn't agree more like it's sometimes hard for us when we get over the hump shall we say and to the point where this kind of stuff is easy for us it can look like it always was like mm. there was a time where you know uh we would have 10 attempts without even following through because we were so scared mm -hmm. uh, and there were times where we stayed awake all night because this was the biggest source of pain in our life and we just couldn't get past it that 12 years of therapy i can't think of how many fucking books i read trying to figure out what the hell is wrong with me why does this keep happening mm -hmm. um how how few moments of pure joy i actually had back then when the gears were just turning all the time trying to prevent conflict uh yeah we're, we're not special we just we got lucky you know uh, you found my stuff i found somebody else's stuff we found little things that like clicked pieces into place and then natural human strengths that we all have finally had like uh you know they had a target the thing they could work towards instead of bashing their head against the wall and everybody's got that strength it's just they don't always have the target they don't know what to aim at mm. so get in touch with angie if you want to know what to aim at she'll help you with that <laughs> you know? i was afraid that i heard somebody say recently that what's the difference between a white belt and a black belt it's just the black belt has more experience so they might look at us and think oh you're black belts so it's easy for you to be that mr karate shop but actually we were massive white belts at one point oh, yeah it's just experience like we get, you can only get better through practicing and with somebody supporting that exactly like you said you just speed up that process it's not that you know you can do it on your own if you're willing to take years and read books and decipher it in the way that suits you or you can take somebody like you or I that has spent decades researching it reading every book under the sun attending every seminar going on mankind playing thousands and thousands for coaching and counseling or whatever so they get the shortcut they get this there you go, mate. That's your 10 sessions, but you're, you're going to get a lot of content tailored to you in that short space of time that other people could spend 10 years working that out. Exactly. Yeah. I don't even know if white belt's accurate. What's the one where you're not even wearing a belt and you just show up like in your t-shirt and you... Oh yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I started. <laughs> I started where I like, it took me three months to get a white belt, you know? Um, I was looking through the window going, what's in there? Is that karate? Yeah, I don't even know what that is. That's whatever that is. I, I remember, yeah, I remember being in my early 20s and I heard the word confidence. And I just remember actually thinking, I have no idea what that word means. Really? Like, like that word never really featured in my vocab for whatever reason. It just hadn't wow. come up. And I just heard somebody say it at the workplace, I'm like, what the hell's confidence? Mm. Um, yeah, so that's. Whatever, yeah. The guy shows up in his work clothes without a belt. I'm that guy. That's where I started. Yeah. Anyway, um, awesome talking to you, Angie, and uh, obviously we'll talk again. I'm sure many times while we remain alive. So, to be continued. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm interviewing you next week, so I'm mm. um, just listening to the end of the interview. But I'm going to do the. Uh, question asking and want to hear your thoughts around manipulation as always such a fascinating topic so i'm um, mm. looking forward to that as well yes me too this is brojo online masculinity confidence and integrity